0: Let's open this ding old box here. Uh,
1: what's in the box? What's
0: in the fucking box? Welcome to What's in the Box Weekly, a weekly mini show for supporters. Thanks for supporting us, y'all. You're great. And we love you. And happy holidays. The
1: arms of an angel. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um yes. Do you want to um Box first, or should I box first? I'll box. Unboxing video. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yes. Uh, let me just you know, like, <laughs> some of this. <sighs> ASMR. We're not actually in stereo mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. um oh. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> So I read one and a half books.
0: Congratulations. Yeah,
1: and maybe I could talk about uh, all one and a half of them. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because both doesn't count.
0: I read two books, not to like you know, wow. one up you or spoil wow. things, but I, I read two whole <laughs> so books. Fancy. And they're actually both pretty long too. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead.
1: Um, quick spoiler: I'm reading this one right now called "Conflict Is Not Abuse." Um, I've
0: heard of that.
1: Yeah, people. I I'm about halfway through and. I feel really complicated about it and and people feel big mm. feelings about it. Mm-hmm. Um, right now I'm like a lot of the ideas are really good and I think really useful and pretty controversial but helpful, but the the voice behind it is 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 not good mm. because mm-hmm. it's very boomery and it's very oh. like everyone's so sensitive. Oh no. And no one wants to talk on the phone anymore. Oh no. Is but,
0: it is it a boomer person?
1: I believe so. Do they so. identify as a boomer? I think so, <laughs> yeah. but but it's but it's coming at it from like this kind of other from the left, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But it's still it's 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 a little hard for me to measure out like for for me to evaluate it. Like, is this my sensibilities,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or is this like my? I, it's 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 forcing me to organize my sensibilities and ideologies, mm-hmm. which I prefer not to do.
0: Yeah, this I want just... my
1: aesthetic. Yeah, my eye, you know first, mm, and yes. then everything else. Why well, you fall sound into like Wes place. Anderson? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> oh, <snap. laughs> so I think I think it's a, a helpful book. I just kind of want someone to come along and write it again, but better. Yeah. Yeah. What um, yeah. I, wa- I want the like if this is the you know the gender trouble. I want there to be an alok to do it in a pop way on Uh Instagram as soon as possible. And I think that'll be great. Yeah. But I don't want it to take 30 years. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, um, what I want to talk about is um, two books, um, one and a half books. Wow. Um, Mm -hmm.
0: uh, Wow, that wasn't even one of the one and a half books.
1: No, no, no. I want to talk about... a Court of Thorns and Roses. Mm, which George R. One... Martin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's the one I didn't finish. And mm. a book called Get a Life for Chloe Brown.
0: Huh. I don't think I've heard of either of those.
1: So uh, A Court of Thorns and Roses was having a moment on uh, talk. Um because there's a spicy scene in it. It's a lovely morning show where yeah. ladies <laughs> sip coffee
0: and talk books.
1: I mean, it kind of is it's kind <laughs> of the, like the view
0: about for books.
1: Yeah. Book talks seems to be mostly women. Like I don't know if I've ever seen like a man do a book review. I don't <laughs> think men can talk. read, Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they can certainly write though. There are a lot of. Uh, <laughs> They're the only ones writing anything (laughs) worth printing, apparently. (laughs) Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. Men write books and women read them. Mm, Yes. Um, Have
0: you, have you, this is like totally tangent and I'm totally just really leaning into sidetracking you over and over again. Um, Do you know the podcast, If Books Could Kill? No. It's a new Michael Hobbs joint and they're going into like pop sci like, airport-style books. Great. So they um, they started with Freakonomics, I think. Great. And just, like, tore the fucking thing apart. Amazing. Um, which was great. Um, and they did... Um, what's that... Um, speaking of, like, boomery takes on, like, culture and stuff.
1: Is it, like, Malcolm Gladwell stuff?
0: Yeah, it is. Uh, I can't remember if they, if they did Malcolm... I think they did do Malcolm Gladwell. I think they did his, like, first book. Um... And then they did. They've there's only like four episodes out. It's not um, uh, there's not a ton of it out yet. Um, but I'm really enjoying it. And mm. um, uh, Bobo's in Paradise. I That's that, that. boomerang one. And oh, they also did the game, the one about like the the pickup artists.
1: Oh, good. Yes. Yeah.
0: It's a fantastic show. Um, so yeah.
1: So anyway, <laughs> on book talk. There's apparently in one of the sequels to this book, Mm -hmm. there's a spicy scene that involves uh, fisting. Ah. Uh, And I was like, that's hilarious. Uh, And people are like um, reading these spicy books and like openly talking about fisting on on TikTok as Mm -hmm. openly as they can with the censors. Openly
0: is about the only way you can do fisting. (laughs) From what I understand. You
1: really got to open up. (laughs) Uh, So I was like, I'll give this a shot. Yeah. Anyway, um... Wait, fisting and reading the book?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you know, I got my whole life ahead of me. Mm. Um, but, uh, wow, that really threw me off. <laughs> <laughs>
0: sorry. Uh, sorry, not sorry.
1: <sighs> so, it's a romance novel. Mm. Um, and... I haven't read a lot of romance novels.
0: Hmm. I don't think I have either.
1: Yeah, I, I think it was one of those things where it's like, it was, as a genre, it was so specifically gendered. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Especially at, in book form. Right. Because of the privacy of it, I think. Mm-hmm. That um, I just always kind of assumed that it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. Like, taking care of my hair.
0: shout out to coco at
1: rudy's i still have to figure out how to take care of my skin Mm -hmm. honestly
0: moisturizer
1: all right well we'll talk (laughs) um anyway this book is absolute trash uh and it was really offensive to my sensibilities and it was very challenging to me wow (laughs) um so basically it's a a very intensely patriarchal story Uh um about a a young woman who like um, basically ev- all of the f- the romantic fantasy is situations where she has to t- have her agency taken away from her mm, mm-hmm. over and over and over again, and she has to accept that things will be better if she doesn't enact her will on the world.
0: That sounds like a good lesson to teach women, especially. Yeah. Yeah,
1: no. and and at every corner, it's like she tries to, and then she's rewarded for calming down. Basically, mm. they um, just
0: do be crazy. Yeah, hysterical. This is a book
1: written by a woman. <laughs> um, yeah, and I don't necessarily want to get that into like all the, all of the individual <laughs> situations where that happens, uh, but like. I I stopped reading the book shortly after there was a um, a sexual assault scene oh. that is along those same lines. It is a like a fantasy mm-hmm. of this woman getting fe- sexually assaulted by her romantic interest, mm. but he's going through this like Ponfar kind of situation, uh-huh. like the Vulcans can have sex every seven years and they go crazy, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and then like they sort of like. You know, he's like, "Well, I told you not to like leave your room because I couldn't help myself." You know. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, so,
0: wait, is this like in the in the world of the book? This is a fantasy, or are you saying it's a fantasy be- like because the author wrote it this way? Or I'm
1: I'm saying it is engaging in fantasy. I see. Uh, I mean, it is a fantasy novel. they are like fairies. Oh,
0: uh, um, that's homophobic.
1: Yeah. <laughs> if <laughs> if only they were that kind of fairies. I, for some reason, I thought there would be a lot more uh, queer. Uh, stuff in this book. but Everything needs to
0: be a lot more. Like way more gay. Everything needs to be. Yeah. It's now.
1: it's so straight. Mm-hmm. Um, Awful. And. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Basically like this. This man like. Takes her away from her family. Um, takes her, her. Like away from her. Like sort of meaningful work. Mm-hmm. Um, takes away any agency. That she has. Over and over again. And like it's her. Getting kind of whittled down. And it's played as this is, like, finally, I don't have to take responsibility mm. for anything or mm-hmm. feel any sort of pressure. And I, and I can just be taken care of by, like, a rich, hot... Um,
0: it sounds like Fifty Shades of Grey. I, I was thinking of that yeah, earlier.
1: But yeah, it's very...
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, I haven't, read, so now.
1: <laughs> I haven't read it, but...
0: Me either, but, like, I know something of it.
1: Yeah, so I thought that was... I thought that was yucky, and I didn't yeah, like it. Yeah. It offended me. Yeah. Um, I I kept throughout it being like, okay, do I need to like, am I be am I yucking yums, am, do, mm. do I need to like leave room for the, not be judgmental of this kind of like fantasy, you know, in the same way that I like yeah. try to leave room in my paradigms for certain kinds of expressions of patriarchy in like media or porn mm. because people at the end of the day, like you're into what you're into, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's th- that, is that what this is for? And, you know, yeah. but like, I, cause yeah, cause the, the, the pearl clutching around so many of those conversations, you know, especially around yeah. porn, yeah you know, is, is so gross to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I felt myself feeling that way about this book mm-hmm. um, because it felt more insidious <laughs> to mm. me, but yeah. I don't know. So I, I got all like worked up about it and I stopped reading it. Mm. Um, so uh, I don't think it's going to take a strong feminist turn at some point. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and I'm left with like the, the most generous takeaway that I can have is like, this is a type of, you know, romantic patriarchally feminine porn Mm -hmm. uh, piece of media. And um, it, I I really did not appreciate it. And it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. And it makes me nervous (laughs) knowing that there are people uncritically engaging with it, but I have to like, it's none of my business. Um, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I wonder about like, yeah, having not read it and having just heard of it. um, I mean, uh, stuff like that can be really popular. Like 50 shades of gray was so yeah. popular. Yeah. And I wonder, um, I wonder for like some people, it is just like, I, I try to be like, give people latitude for engaging in like fantasy. And right. Like,
1: right. Um, it's like a pressure valve. It's or, a pressure valve. Yeah. Or
0: like, um, there's certain people who are like really critical of like true crime podcasts. Right. Like, yeah. And often like very sexist ways and like say like it's exploitative or whatever, but it can be really um, like, it's a safe way to like, engage on like the fantasy plane with like the reality that a lot of people have to deal with. Yeah. Um, and so I wonder like to what extent it is like operating on that level for people to like claim some sort of like agency or fantasy or right. um, if it's like healthy in that way. But right. But then, but then you like, have really to wonder easy to, like reinforce that kind of stuff too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, to tie back into conflict is not abuse. Mm. Uh, which I'm working my way through. Um, One of the ideas that's present in that is weaponized victimhood.
0: Mm. Um, Mm
1: -hmm. And, and the ways that that can play out just in interpersonal relationships that can be, you know, not abusive, but like can um, break apart relationships when Mm -hmm. maybe they don't need to be, but also the ways that like, the state uses weaponized victimhood, right. you know, like cops, like or, I was afraid, you know, yes, um, totally. or, or like Israel. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. Oh
0: God, yeah. Um, yeah. So Nazis um, and fascists love to use that one.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, I, I wonder about like, you know, the way that maybe certain demographics engage with true crime podcasts and like, you know, with the like, entering into the discourse of the, the missing white woman syndrome, you know, is this Mm -hmm. actually about processing a real fear or is this Uh, about engaging with a type of weird power?
0: Right. Yeah. And I think that the thing that like really made me, um, that like really, uh, what's the word not vindicated? Um, I don't know that like sort of, um, challenged my thinking and like made me sort of reconsider it. Some of like this conversation about like fantasy and stuff was talking about um, like fantasy or porn that specifically does feature sexual assault or sexual violence. Yeah. and how at first glance I would be like, this is really gross right. and like awful. Right. And I think it can be or is for like some people, but for right. some people, like um, I mean, speaking from like experience of people from a similar background of mine I know that those have often been um like the fantasies accessible to people who are in the closet Yeah. because if you if you like are fantasizing you're like taking the the agency of creating the fantasy situation where you don't have the option of consenting and so therefore you don't have to confront the issue of like am I gay or right, am I like right. actually a girl? <laughs> um, I'm just being, I just get to fantasize about this thing being done to me without having to like, right. Explore those questions. Right. Um, or it can be like, I think I have, from what I understand, like it can be um, uh, constructive for like people who have gone through sexual assault and violence to like be able to engage with that on like a fantasy level. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, you know, at the end of the day, I, I I think I I stopped reading the book because I because it wasn't for me and because I mm. really wasn't enjoying it, yeah. Um And it was making me feel actively judgmental constantly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I want to like yeah, I don't know, I I want to leave the room for like <laughs> like I want to believe that that there's a lot of people who are like engaging with this like. In good faith and coming away, having a productive time Mm -hmm. or a non-destructive time, but yeah, it is hard for me to like read that kind of thing and be like, and to trust that I'm not going to somehow get hurt by the people who are engaging with it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I feel complicated uh, emojis Mm. about it. Okay. But what I felt pretty uh, positive about was mm-hmm. get a life. Chloe Brown. Oh yeah. It's a romance novel, not a, not a fantasy in the sense that there are no, no fairies in it. Um, and also it's very not a uh, fantastical mm-hmm. in, in its romance at all. And right? it's not engaging in fantasy. It's, it's very grounded in realism. Mm-hmm. Um, it's set in England, um, between, um, a uh, white working class um, uh, super in- hired superintendent of this building and um, a uh, wealthy background uh, black woman who has fibromyalgia mm. um, who is living in this in this building and living away from home for the first time mm-hmm. um, And um, it's about, their romance and they mm-hmm. have a, you know, a, they start hating each other. They have a, a hate each other. Meet cute. Mm. Um,
0: like much, about do Nothing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and they develop this, this, uh, this romance um, throughout this book. And um, yeah, I, there are a lot of, it engages in a fair amount of like tropes, mm-hmm. but I think that what I really appreciated about the book is how much, care the author has and how much respect the author has for each of the characters and the reasons that they make the mistakes that they do mm-hmm. and the reason and, and uh, that we're supposed to want these characters to be brave mm-hmm. um, and to overcome the things that are holding them back and keeping them from experiencing intimacy. Mm-hmm. So would and- you say
0: is it it's a tropical paradise, would you say? <laughs> and would you be feel comfortable signing your name to that for a blurb on the book? <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was a wonderful getaway. Um, yeah, I guess what I mean by the tropes is like, you know, it had, it engages with some of the expectations of how, um, you know, the the action, the plot of mm-hmm. romantic connection, mm. like it felt like watching a 90s rom-com, mm-hmm. except um, I really believed all of the internal stakes for each of the characters um it goes back and forth really seamlessly I think um, mm-hmm. between a um limited uh, third person is that what it's called like limited third person narrating voice for um for each of the characters mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sometimes within the same chapter or like paragraph to paragraph and it yeah I, th- I thought it was pretty Impressive in mm-hmm. its ability to do that without me being confused. Mm-hmm. Um, and having the the voices, uh, the internal voices of those characters still in third person, like still being mm. presented in third person, yeah. um, uh, being um, really distinct. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that... There, there were a bunch of things about it that I thought were really lovely too. It wasn't very specifically about race, although it doesn't try mm-hmm. to avoid race at all, mm-hmm. which I always appreciate when it's like, um, <laughs> when that needle is 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 threaded. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it seems like it's hard for people to do. Uh, but it's the the things it was more directly trying to tackle are class and class beyond just the economic, but the socio aspects of class mm, yeah um and um i thought it did that really in a really lovely way um and uh ableism and sexiness with um uh chronic illness mm. and like and how like sexualizing a person who is fat and has um chronic illness mm, mm-hmm. and i thought it did that in a way that was like really beautiful Mm. um and and really horny Mm. uh in Mm. a way that i thought was very instructive Mm -hmm. um and useful like i like the idea of people reading this book and being like wow this character is so horny for this um disabled fat person Mm. um and (laughs) that's lovely and i'm horny right there with them you know like it was really cool um yeah uh i thought it was i thought it was just like a a great rom rom com. I I really liked it. A great rom com. I <laughs> I uh, I got really emotional. Um, I I heard about the book from um, Page Melt, um, uh, Mel Thomas. Never her Never met her. Never <laughs> melted. <her. laughs> um, I've
0: met a couple people named Page. Never Page Melt. I've met Patty Melt. <laughs> Sisters. <laughs>
1: Gross. <laughs> I'm glad we moved into cheeseburger beyond patty milk. Um, uh, I follow them on book talk. They're my favorite book talker T-O-K-E-R. Um, and they specifically said how much they appreciate um, uh, the way that this author writes men mm. um, as masculine, um, but also not toxically masculine mm-hmm. and i and i was really impressed by that how very gendered and honestly very straight this story was mm-hmm. and how not heteronormative or toxic or patriarchal it was mm-hmm. and i was like this is amazing like yeah it's like uh, a magic trick. yeah it yeah. was so cool mm-hmm. like i want I was like, it made me feel very inspired, Mm. you know, just like, this is what it could be like for the straights, you know, it was cool (laughs) to read and Mm -hmm. and the way that they, um, I think there's like a part of me that wants, you know, wants the ways that people to be connected to ultimately be kind of like pansexual, like, Mm -hmm. even when straight people connect, I like, I want them to develop a pansexual connection with each other, Yeah, you know, and Uh to like, erode the their gendered experiences, you mm-hmm. know, and to like, just have it be like two people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just like my own baggage, ultimately. Mm. Um, yeah, There might be some truth to that or some value to that. But I really appreciated how this book continued to be so straight and so gendered the entire time and so positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just really impressed by it. Mm. I think it I think it was a really great, entertaining book. Uh the only thing I didn't particularly appreciate is um there are uh graphic sex scenes. I have no problem with that. Uh but You
0: said yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, I mean the the issue was I, I thought they were kind of boring <laughs> because they were so straight. Mm, <laughs> and I was yeah. just like I was like, oh god, I'm so bored. (laughs) These sex scenes. This is doing nothing for me. I appreciate while they're here. Yeah. (laughs)
0: This is pumping. Yeah. What a gross thing to say, Maddie.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is pumping, pumping, and dumping, and lumping and clumping, (laughs) clumpity clump clump.
0: Pumpity pump pump. Uh, (laughs)
1: Look uh, at
0: straighty go. (laughs)
1: Uh. So yeah, those are the. Those are the books I've been reading. Um, one, uh, Bad Romance. Rah, rah.
0: Mm.
1: Ooh, rah, rah. Um, and um, I think I just accidentally did a Marines thing. Um,
0: oh, yeah. I was wondering. I was, I don't know.
1: I was trying to do a Lady Gaga thing. Oh. And uh, and one good romance.
0: Rah, 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 ooh, la, la, I think is how it goes. Yeah, Maybe. Hmm. Um, I'll try to be quick because we are, oh, it's kind of running late.
1: He um, just talked about three books. Yes. Sorry.
0: Two and a half, Cameron. Um, Cameron, uh, what do you know about Charles Manson?
1: Oh. Um, I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I uh, like that actor a lot. Damien something Corrado? Is that a musician? I don't know. Hmm. The actor who plays Charles Manson.
1: It's good. Um, I know that he is, for some reason, very quotable. Or, like, people have decided to, to read his quotes huh. a lot. Uh. Really? Yeah, like, he has a bunch of quotes. Like, if you go to a quotes page, like, huh. he, he, like, I feel like he has this sort of following today of, like, kind of, we live in a society, mm. bros.
0: Are you, are you think are you sure you're not thinking of, like, Ted Kaczynski or something? I'm thinking of
1: Charles Manson. Okay. Yeah. All
0: right. Um, Do you, like, but in terms of, like. Who he was, what he
1: did. I know he has a swastika on his, cut into his forehead. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, he had a cult, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, in the sixties. And I know that, um, he enlisted or somehow some people who were associated with him murdered Roman Polanski's girlfriend and or wife or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And a couple other people.
1: And a couple other people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, that's what I know. Great. Thank you. Um, this has been quiz
1: time with Matt. Satanism is somewhere in there of some sort.
0: Um, I mean, I'll get into that. Great. Yes. Because I read a book called, oh, shit. I had, it, I had it. I wanted to get the title completely right because it is. Okay. Chaos. Charles Manson, the CIA and the secret history of the 60s. Okay. Um, a journalist named Tom O'Neill. In the far flung, heady days of 1999, um, the salad days of America. Salad days. Pre Y2K, when the towers came down and everything changed. um, He is called up. (laughs) (laughs) His editor calls him up and is like, hey, you know what? The 30th anniversary of the Charles Manson thing is coming up. Do you want to write a piece about? Charles Manson, how people feel about it now, that whole thing. Fly out to Hollywood, talk to some people, write up a little piece for this magazine. And Tom is like, sure, why not? And so he flies out to LA, to Hollywood, and uh, he stays there for 23 years. For a while, he was like Long form journalism. Long form (laughs) journalism. For a while, he was like literally paying rent on his apartment in New York still while being like hanging out in like Venice um, beach in california not the one in italy um
1: when the moon hits
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes um and he misses his deadline quite a bit quite many times and then eventually the magazine goes under and it turns into a book the book of which the title i just told you chaos charles manson the cia and the secret history of the 60s um i've been thinking a lot about the 60s lately um not the least of which because I was asked, the other book I was reading was called Summer Summer Fun by Jean Jane Thornton. I don't know how to pronounce it's J-E-A-N-N. So it's like Jean or Jean or something. Thornton. Jean. I don't know. <laughs> what would you say? I've heard some people say Jeannie, I think. I don't know. Anyhow, that is um it's sort of a Romano Clay about like the Beach Boys and um long-lost lesbian songwriters and magic and a parallel universe in which brian wilson was a trans
1: woman Uh, oh right it's great yeah
0: maybe one of the probably it's like one of the best things i've read in years probably Mm. the best thing i've read in terms of like narrative fiction for years anyway um been thinking a lot about the 60s at one point i remarked to my friend robert i was like huh you know what i feel like the post-war generation was the best thing that ever happened to Europe and one of the worst things to happen to America uh-huh. <laughs> and Robert was like hmm, he thought about it for a minute. he's like oh I, I think I kind of agree and I still think there's something to that I don't know if it like fully holds true but um the 60s were the the decade everything changed and everything could have changed but didn't also <laughs> um because that's when European societies, in, in very very broad terms, lots of European societies embraced socialism and like um, they were like, hey, maybe if we just like had a society where people took care of each other and like it wasn't just this like cutthroat, like everyone out for themselves type thing. Um, what if we had like a safety net and like you know healthcare was available and like all this stuff? Um, because there was like a lot of unrest and protests and riots and stuff. I mean, there was the Paris Commune of 1968, um, and I think the main difference is that in Europe the conservatives failed, and in America the conservatives won. Yeah. Um, and this book it takes a while to get there because it starts with it starts with Vincent Bugliosi, actually, the prosecutor of Charles Manson of the case, who um, wrote the most successful true crime book of all time, which is called Helter Skelter.
1: Yeah. And it's yeah. like
0: based on his prosecution of Charles Manson and the Manson family, um, which you so derisively refer to as a cult. It's a family, Cameron. They're like family. (laughs) (laughs) Embracing each other. Um, Yeah. uh, So it it takes a while to get there because it it goes through, it starts with Vincent Biliosi and how he's a total shithead. And like, he went through this thing where he was like stalking his milkman and accusing the milkman of having an affair with his wife. And like,
1: you classic he's like, yeah
0: and he's like using da resources and like cops to like surveil this guy and like track him down and like private information Gross. like all this like super illegal stuff um also committed lots of perjury and beats people oh god he had he had a mistress also who got pregnant and he beat her up so bad she had a miscarriage yeah. and really bad guy um and so the journalist starts there and then he like moves into like the Hollywood scene of the Times, 1969, and how a lot of people look back on it as like, oh, this like innocent time of like Hollywood came to this crashing close when the Manson murders happened and like all of a sudden there was violence. And he's like, no, 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 no. This was a very violent time. Women were seen as like expendable, um, and were just like violently abused constantly all the time by everyone. Um, underage women were statutory rapes left and right. Um, Is not great. Um, And um, for a while it felt like, I was like, is this going to go in a really moralizing direction where he's like, oh, you know, if you get like with a bad crowd or like do drugs, then like you might get murdered. Yeah. Um, Because there's like maybe like a mafia connection. There might, it might've been like kind of a a drug hit gone wrong. It could have been like a contract killing. Um, There's like some evidence of like some of that going on. Um,
1: You mean, you mean of,
0: for the uh, the Manson murders, the uh, Tate-LaBianca, yeah. yeah, where Sharon Tate and Jay Sebring and a couple other people were killed in a house on Cielo Drive, and then it was either the next night or a couple nights later, um, just some random people in a random house elsewhere were also killed in the yeah. same way. Yeah. And it took police, you know, like four months to like figure out they were the same case and like figure out who who did it and whatnot. Um, yeah, but um the author keeps digging and he gets into like lots of records that like no one else has ever accessed or no journalists have gotten into. Like he gets into the LA County Sheriff office, like archives. He's like going through there. He's like talking to DAs. He does so much work. He, he like blankets different agencies with like FOIA requests. Um, I said I was going to be quick, but I'm going a little bit more in depth than I thought. I'll try to be a little more summative. What he ends up getting into is, um, how suspicious a lot of the Manson situation was because Manson and all of his followers were constantly getting arrested and thrown into um, jail like overnight or like for a day or two. And then they would get released and they would not get charged and nothing would happen to them. And that happened over and over and over again. Like I think literally like a few days before the murders, like some of his, like the family like were arrested and then they were just like, let go. Um, even though there was, like, evidence and, like, they were, like, caught red-handed, basically. Huh. Charles Manson seemed to have, like, immunity, basically, from the cops. Also, he always had this, like, huge supply of LSD and no one knows where he got it from.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and
0: isn't it a bit odd that, like, this two-bit, like, ex-con dumbass, who is barely literate, is able to develop these very sophisticated, like, mind-control techniques... For his followers, where he doses them with LSD and like breaks down their willpower and gets them to commit murder on his behalf. Yeah. Isn't that a bit odd that he has like LSD aided mind control that he just like develops this very sophisticated approach, just kind of out of nowhere. Isn't that a little bit odd?
1: That's really odd. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds familiar. Yes. Ringing a bell.
0: Exactly. That's what I was thinking. I was like, oh my God.
1: That sounds ultra familiar. It sounds ultra.
0: (laughs) Yes. Thank you. Yes. You remember the name of it. Yeah. I, um. I was like, oh my god, this sounds so much like MKUltra, which is what the CIA was doing. And yes, dear reader, he does go there.
1: Um,
0: He connects it with uh, COINTELPRO. Do you know COINTELPRO? That was the FBI campaign of infiltrating and discrediting um, and sparking internecine conflict between um, leftists and revolutionaries and black people. Basically like hippies and black people like Nixons big political enemies and like the enemies of the establishment at the time anti-war people. Yeah. They would do things like, um, the black Panthers were like this huge, like big boogeyman for them. And they would do things like they would infiltrate the black Panthers and like this other, like black sort of um, advancement or like black power group. And they would like tell each other like, oh, they're talking shit about you. They're going to like come here and like attack you. And so they would end up like fighting and they would kill each other. And the FBI was like, woohoo, you know, uh, objective achieved. Like we got them to kill each other. Isn't that great? Um, And this is where I'm going to tell you back in the sixties because like in America, um, the revolution stalled out and failed. And it's, it's often been, like, remarked upon how weak the left in America is. And that's no accident. Like, people were infiltrated and spied upon. The FBI was sending letters to Martin Luther King Jr. telling him to kill himself. Yeah. Um,
1: and d- weren't they also in, in, in charge of the, uh, like, t- tell, telling his wife that... Didn't didn't they give, like, his wife, like, uh, audio tape or whatever of, yeah. like, him cheating on her and stuff? And-
0: Supposedly. I don't think she... Last time I checked on it, I think she does not still believe it to this day. Okay. Um, And that's exactly the kind of thing they were doing all the time. It's just like fabricating evidence and like spreading rumors and like trying to tear everything down. And um, yeah, so um, that's COINTELPRO, which is the FBI did. And the CIA had a parallel program they called Chaos because, of course, they needed to sound like fucking james bond villains from the 1960s um because i guess they were aware of who they were um where they did lots of really similar things um and they were also doing mk ultra which was very briefly they were trying to find a mind control drug they wanted to take soviet agents and turn them into double agents against their will they wanted to break down their will cause them to, to betray the motherland and um to defect and like spy for them And um, turns out that after he was released from prison, he had been in prison for a long time, Charles Manson goes to Haight-Ashbury, where that's where he starts becoming a guru. Mm. And he, at that point, he was going to the Haight-Ashbury, whoo, bless you, the Haight-Ashbury Free Medical Clinic, um, at which there were working two people that we know of that were closely related with MKUltra including this one guy named Dr. Lewis um I always forget his Jolford I think mm. but he went by Jolly Jolly West was his name and he was a big time MK Ultra guy. He was like working on a naval base at one point where um this is kind of a tangent but like there was a soldier who um loses his mind kind of and um I think rapes and kills a very young child. I forget how old she was. She was very young. And he just like comes to covered in blood. He's like, where am I? What's going on? What's happening? Um, How did I get here? And the author is not super like explicit about this, but it's pretty implied that like Dr. Jolly West was like, I mean, it's known that he was like dosing people on the air force base with LSD and like performing experiments on them without their consent or knowledge. The U.S. government loved to do that. I mean, they were, like, giving the Tuskegee Airmen syphilis. They were, like, fucking yeah. nuking John Wayne in the desert. They were...
1: <laughs> at
0: one point, they just, like... Gave,
1: that one was cool. That one was great. Like, yeah. <laughs>
0: good job. Like, applause for that. Um, at one point, they just, like, blasted San Francisco with, like, bacteria-laden mist.
1: Oh, right, yeah. So, like, I've try to figure out, one. like, oh, how
0: would, how would, like, a chemical weapons attack sort of, like, spread around here? And it's it was, like, supposedly harmless bacteria. But the thing about bacteria is that they are... Um, they mutate, and also they don't necessarily hit everyone the same equally, and so like certain disabled people died or like I mean a compromised people are like put in a hospital anyway um u s government does all kind of a fucked up shit, and it's kind of amazing that we know anything about any of this stuff, yeah, um because like and the reason we know about a lot of it actually is because of um an organization called the Citizens Committee to Investigate the FBI, which broke into an FBI like office building and like stole a bunch of records and started releasing them the newspapers which is like fuck yeah guys like hell yeah um anyhow so all that to say that like someone seemed to be protecting charles manson someone seems to have helped him develop a sophisticated mind control um uh technique using lsd um He's known to have been at a free medical clinic where people from MKUltra were operating at the time. And the author does not find any like specific smoking gun, but he finds a shitload of circumstantial evidence and enough to like really um like demonstrate that something fishy is really going on yeah. there with the Manson murders. And even if it wasn't like they specifically told charles manson to go out and kill someone and try to frame the black panthers yeah that was a big part of the whole thing was like he that's why they like wrote pig in blood on the wall is because they were trying to get people to think that the black panthers had done the killings yeah um and he wanted to like spark a race war or something
1: yeah um
0: supposedly um who knows like i think it's kind of overplayed how much that was like the actual like motivation um but it seems like you know even if They didn't directly tell him, like, hey, you should try to, like, frame the Black Panthers for, like, a murder. Like, a high-profile murder or something. Even if they didn't, like, specifically train him or give him LSD, which seems like they might have. Who knows? um, They certainly took advantage of the whole situation. And to spin it and publicize it as, you know what? These, like, druggies and these hippies. Look what they're capable of. They can just, like, murder people and have, like, no remorse. And it was widely seen as like the end of the innocent era of like summer of love and like the flower children and stuff that it just like ended there. And that was like, then it moved directly into like the culture, like backlash of like the seventies and eighties. And um, so the, the establishment and the various like people who wanted, I mean, it was the original culture war of, you know, at least the last living memory of generations and stuff. They certainly like really took advantage of it to um, use it as a weapon against progressives and hippies and anyone who was like pushing get back against the establishment or um, were trying to enact change or trying to get the u s out of Vietnam. Um, <laughs> they make a slight detour into like the JFK assassination, mostly to talk about how um, Jack Ruby, who's the guy who shot and killed. Um, Lee Harvey Oswald. Mm. So uh, not long after Lee Harvey Oswald was picked up by the police and was in custody, Jack Ruby comes along, shoots him dead, which is like a pretty common tactic to like silence an assassin so that they don't spill the beans on, you know, who told them to do it. Just saying. And Jack Ruby was um, another sort of loose end. And so this Dr. Jolly West comes and visits him and then after spending like three or four hours in the interrogation room with him where there's no recording or like no observation of it going on, he comes out and's like, oh yeah, the guy went crazy. had a psychotic break. It definitely happened two, like two days ago and not after I got here and like started pumping him full of drugs and like talking to him privately. <laughs> he just like ripped Jack Ruby's mind just completely apart. And the dude was like just out of his mind after that and like had no idea what was going on. And eventually was, I think, I remember he like killed himself or like, what his final end was but um yeah dr Jolly was like definitely covered up something going on with like well, that whole situation um so in summary cia probably killed jfk <laughs> i mean who knows <laughs> who knows honestly like or maybe they knew knew that lee harvey oswald was like planning to do it and they're like well what if we just let him right you know? Like, who knows? Um, Damn. This is all illegal, illegal, by the way. The CIA is supposedly, like, by their charter, not supposed to operate on American soil at all. Yeah. And they're, like, running MK Ultra and, like, trying to infiltrate leftists and, like, cause them to kill each other. <laughs> all this, like, fucked up shit. Anyway, this book is, it's great. It's quite long, um, but it really, um, it really, like, makes the case that, like, if you look at Charles Manson, you were looking at the story of the 60s. And the story of the 60s that most people don't know about or most people don't think about and how it was really manipulated in order to become the popular story of the 60s, which was that people got so far out there and got so into drugs that um, they went too far. Yeah. And they became cold-blooded killers out of nowhere. Yeah. And... You know, we need to like stop being weird long hair people and we need to just like, you know, settle down and get back into a business and whatnot. Um, yeah. So the story of Charles Manson is the story of the 60s and yeah. it's a fascinating book and it's so well researched. He's got, I, th- I thought I was like, as I was reading, I was, I was reading an ebook and it kept like showing the percentage and I was like, okay, I still got like, you know, 20% left. And then I hit the end. of the entire length of it is just like the footnotes and like the very specific citations and like all this stuff where he talks about like where he got everything. It's so well researched. I mean, it took 23 years to write. Um, It's super good. Yeah. Everyone go check it out.
1: It's awesome. Great. Mm -hmm. Good box. Good box. Lots of books. Book box.
0: Aw, cutie. Okay, now let's close up that book box.
1: Now let's close up the box.